0: morning good morning church good morning city life good morning visitors anyone who stumbled upon this video um so great to be with you guys in any way that we can find right now um we are pre-recording these because we're just in our technology we're not quite there yet to do live streaming but um we miss being with you guys as a church as a staff oversight team mc leaders we just really miss being with one another and uh, we are grateful to have any way that we can reach out um, and talk, and I hope that you've gotten the email that we sent out this this previous week. If not, you can go into our website and go onto the COVID-19 uh, updates page for our pay, for our website, where we just outline how we're doing church right now, and that will be fluid and we'll be moving. Um, so right now, we are di- fully digital right now. MCs are digitally, no in-person meetings. Sunday mornings obviously look like this, and... We'll jump on some MC specific calls after this to talk, to converse, to pray with one another, to process through this difficult time. We still feel like uh, our call as a church has not changed in any way. It just looks different right now. And so we are fully digital and we are here. Nothing about our availability to you has changed. We wanna be a part of your lives as best we can. We just have to creatively find out how to do that now in this season. One way that we have tried to do that now is that starting Monday, tomorrow, we're going to be doing three hours of prayer a week. And so I'm going to jump on a Zoom call, and you should all have this, it's on that COVID-19 update website page, the page that we have. And on Monday night, Wednesday noon, and Friday morning, I'm going to jump on a Zoom call because I want to be with you, because we want to be with you. I still have this burning passion and desire to shepherd our church, And so I'm going to be on a phone call for an hour. Even if you can't make it the full hour, but you want to jump on, please still do so. I just want, we have to have time where we pray as a church, where we talk to one another, where we see each other face to face as best we can right now. And um, where we can also make room for questions or wrestling together or whatever needs to happen in that hour, three hours a week, we're going to be on that phone call. We're still so passionate about living this life with you, figuring out how we pursue Jesus in this season, like we always have. And it just looks a little different now. I also have another word for us in our church today that I still haven't found the right words yet. So hopefully now it comes out great. Um, But we want to talk about giving briefly. You know, there are so many people going through a lot in this season and we understand that. Um, But there are also the call for us to be a church to be a church that loves giving and being generous and being uh, a part of supporting nonprofits, supporting one another uh, we are still calling on our church to be a giving church now we understand with all compassion all love if your income has changed if you're figuring it out all that there is no pressure in any way for you uh, to give and also we want everyone to be smart with our money because we don't know how long this season is going to last but we do know that our call as a church is to be generous. We want to take care of our own people who are going through hard times right now. We want to be able to give money uh, and whatever resources we have to our city, to Paulus Hook, uh, to Jersey City, anywhere that we can be a part of. We want to be a part of helping other nonprofits survive and thrive and serve people in this city. So. Um, be smart with our finances in this season more than ever, but we want to be a church that gives away money, that has enough money to, to uphold one another because there are people even in our church that are going to be going through a hard time financially now. And so uh, pray about this. As God, if God is asking you to be sacrificial, please be so. We want to be an open-handed church with our city and with one another. And so let's continue to be prayerful in our giving uh, let's continue to see as an organization, as a church, as a body of how we can help our city, because the need now is tremendous. And so um, as a church, we're looking at ways to how to formalize our giving, of how to formalize benevol- benevolence. I can never say that word. Um, and so be, be a part of that journey with us, because there's a lot to do in our city right now. And for, the, for however long we see now, there's going to be a need uh, that it just jumps up at our face all the time, and so uh, please consider that, please be prayerful in that. And uh, like we did last week, before we really jump into the main word for today, I just felt a need for us to be in a a different part of the word. Um, And today, last week was Psalm, today it's going to be in Habakkuk. Habakkuk, I'm pretty sure some of you did not even know that was in the Bible. Uh, I'm pretty sure none of us have really heard, or at least most of us have not heard a word from this book. But It's actually a small little gem in our scripture that really answers one question. It answers this question of, can God be who he says he is? Can he be good and perfect in a world with so much evil? And so this book is awesome. You should spend time in Habakkuk. If you're wrestling with these deeper questions, spend time here. Bring people to Habakkuk. Um, But I wanted to read this in this book of wrestling, of trying to figure out, of asking some really big questions out of God. This is where the Habakkuk ends. These are the last three verses of the book. And they say, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no hurt in the stalls, pretty much, if everything around you is going wrong, if there's no provision, if there's no safety, if there's no food, if there's no hope, if you're losing hope, God says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. I love in Scripture when we see this huge problem that seems insurmountable at us, but then the Scripture always tells us what our perspective should be, that, that He is our strength, that He is our joy, that He will make a way for us. Uh, our, our perspective in life should always be eternally focused and not just on our problems. And so we have very real problems. We have very real restrictions over our lives right now. Uh, But in this season, let's let God work something really deep out, deep in our hearts out, so that we can, uh, at the end of this, be so much stronger as a global church, as a city life church, as individual believers in Christ. Uh, I think that's so important, and what a lesson for us to learn in this time. Our president, the president of the CMA, he's been doing weekly videos on on all of this that's going on. And he issued a challenge that I thought was just great, um, a way of thinking about this time. He said, what does this unique moment in time give us the creativity or the courage to do? I'll read it again. What does this unique moment in time give us the creativity or the courage to do? We still find ourselves in this Lent season. We still find ourselves preparing our hearts and our souls to receive Easter Sunday. And so in this time, what is God giving you the room in your life to do to pursue a hobby or reading scripture or prayer or reaching out to people that we would have missed otherwise? Uh, I don't want to sound like this is a good thing because this is not a good thing. COVID-19 will not exist in heaven. But we do have room in our lives right now. Very real space that we can fill with really good things. And so um, let's do it as a church. Let's do this together. Let's hold one one another up and pray with one another in this season. And we'll see uh, what God does and see his provision over us and our lives. Uh, um, It's a hard lesson for us to learn in the meantime, but I think it's one that will produce deep, deep fruit going forward. And so this week, we are going to be back in Mark. So if we'll give you a second, turn to Mark chapter 19, 38 to 41. This is the last story in the chapter that we're going to be covering. And so now, Mark, this is what Mark chapter 9, 38 to 41 says. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Uh, Pray with me as we go into the word. Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for keeping us here, Lord. We thank you for belonging to this body, that we're not alone, that we're not isolated, that though we might not be together, we're not alone. Lord, I pray that more and more people experience that. Join the body of Christ in this season, Lord. Lord, what do you have to say to us about the days that we find ourselves in and what eternally, Lord, applies from your word today? Pray that you would minister to each one of us uh, wherever we are, in our separate homes Uh, in separate cities, separate countries maybe even, Lord. I pray that you would minister to us exactly where we are and bring your truth and your comfort to us uh, in this time. We love you. We worship you. Even when we're not together, we come together to celebrate you and what you did for us. Uh, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you can remember, this was originally supposed to be our major outreach Sunday and for all of us on the oversight team and and the staff team, it's just so sad to be able to miss this with one another. I just picture myself where we were two weeks ago and how we could have never foreseen any of this. Uh, how even up to a week ago, I was asking the, the oversight team to plan for this day and everybody was like, no, Pedro, I don't think this is happening. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot gather today. We cannot do what we were going to do. We cannot spend a whole morning on prayer, um, though... Ha- Though I hope that all of you pray together afterwards, as I hope that you join me on those weekly prayer calls. Um, and so really this text, we set it aside for this week because I thought it applies. And it still, I think, really applies to where we are right now as a church. Uh, today we're going to be talking about two major flaws that we see in the disciples, generally, but also really specifically in chapter 9. And then we're also gonna be talking about how one stranger got something really, really right and what it was that he could do. Uh, And so let's start with the first one. The first one I've just been calling us versus them. All right, so this story is short enough. We're probably gonna just read it a couple times uh, over the morning. Uh, here again, John goes up to, they go up to Jesus and they say, oh, they think they did such a great thing. And they go up and say, Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting demon out in your name and we stopped him because he was not following us. And right there, I think something triggers in most of us that uh, is really inbred to us as early as we can remember. It's this idea that there are some people that are us and then there's even more people that are not one of us. They're them. Um, I have two stories of this in my life when I went when I was in the first grade my family moved and I didn't really make friends that easily early on and I found this one friend and he was great and we had a great time together and then one day our class was going on a field trip and this son, this boy's mom came up to me and for some reason to this day I don't know why she came up to me and said that I couldn't be her son's friend anymore because of where I was born as a first grader I was confused I didn't know what to do with that Uh, I remember crying I remember crying a lot cuz I had finally made a friend and here his mom was telling me that I couldn't be friends with him anymore and I remember being so confused when she started to try and comfort me and hug me and ask me to stop crying and I was like I (laughs) it was so confusing I didn't know what to do with that I really did not have the tools to (laughs) put that somewhere in my mind or my heart but but what ended up happening is that I learned that lesson That there are some people that are us and there are some people that are them, not a part of me. You know, there are also instances where a little more lighthearted, but they still do the, the same thing. I think about as a Brazilian person, like what is the one thing that we get to celebrate? What is the one thing that we are best at? And Soccer, obviously, always comes up. And every four years, we have the World Cup. And that is like, when you come from a country that doesn't do a lot of things right, you have to celebrate the things that you do really well. And so the World Cup is this huge party. It's the best time. Uh, at Every four years, it's a huge party. Um, and you have to celebrate. And I make it very clear. I make a clear point that you cannot celebrate with me that much because I am Brazilian, and this is my birthright, and you don't get to celebrate like me. I remember when Justin was here for the last World Cup, I used to enjoy his pain so much that he had to root for the US and that the US wasn't even in the World Cup, the last World Cup. I took so much pleasure in his pain. Sorry, Justin, if you're watching this. Um, But in in that even more lighthearted way, we just are over and over and over again reminded about how much we divide ourselves, about how we say, to keep ourselves safe, to make sense of the world, we say, hey, you can be a part of me, you're an us with me, but then the rest of you, you are one of them. You know, we see that so much in scripture. Uh, Right now, look at the world around us, you know. Look at the people who are promoting uh, division, who are promoting uh, xenophobia, who are saying, who are calling even this disease that has been killing people globally, this Chinese virus, like... Let's just think about all this. Let's think about the divisions that we make between believers and non-believers, of sinners and saints, of you and of me. And, and let's just think about this, how the group, these disciples, they stopped a person from bringing freedom, from, from breaking oppression of, from the kingdom of darkness in their life just because they weren't one of us, just because they weren't one of the 12. And Jesus, like he always does, he so perfectly responds to this. He so perfectly gets to the heart of this. He says, don't stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. To us, that seems so foreign. Like we have to have these decided lines, like these definitive lines. You're either for me or you're either against me. There's no great, but for Jesus... That is not the way that he operates and lives in this world. Verse 41 says, For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Even if somebody gives you a cup of water because they know you belong to Christ, they will not lose their reward to us. That might seem so foreign. And here when we see the disciples do this, we see like a really, really dangerous truth. That in this moment, they are acting more like the Pharisees and the scribes than they were someone who knew Christ, of someone who followed him, of someone who had only stories ago said that he was the Christ, the Messiah. You know How easily and how quickly can we fall into looking less like the followers of Christ and more like the Pharisees, the one who wanted to control everything and kill Jesus, kill the one who came. And so really the Biblical mindset that we are taught in Scripture all over the place is that it's not us versus them, but that really what God views is that His people should think of the world like this, that it is us for them. Again, it is not about us versus them, but it is us for them, that we get to be a part of God's family, that we are adopted and that we are called heirs and that we are Jesus's brothers and co-heirs so that we can live with Christ and so that we can bring others to Him. You know, in this season, where we don't get to see very many people, we still get to interact with some people. And hopefully people the people around you who do not know Christ, hopefully they'll start asking you questions like, why are you so calm right now? Or why aren't you freaking out? Or why don't you have 18 years worth of toilet paper in your house right now? Uh, and it's because of this idea that it, it is not us versus anyone, but it's us for them, that God is in control, that he is so sovereign that he is not surprised about what's going on in the world around us, but that he can withstand all of this, and that he can hold us up, and he can take care of them. And so in here, there's a challenge. There's a challenge for us exactly where you are. It's to realize that God probably is giving us divine appointments every day, that he's always putting people in our way, And a divine appointment, what I mean by that is like, that honestly, really, literally somebody is in your life that day because God wants you to talk to them. Even if you don't end up talking about Christ, He wants you to show them what a a follower of Christ looks like. That you wear them down with God's love until they start asking you deeper questions. You know, when we are interacting with few people now, maybe some of those people who do slip through the cracks and you interact with, maybe they're divine appointments. Maybe they're people that God wants you to show them what Jesus looks like. So, in this season, two challenges in, in regards to this, us versus them. One, God's gonna, I pray that God's going to be putting people in your heart, in your mind, for you to pray to, for you to pray for, for you to want their well-being. But also reach out to them. You know, call them, whatever happens, call them, see what happens, ask for them to ask for you to be able to pray for them. You know, God is going to be, I pray, putting people in your heart, and let's respond by caring for these people, for caring for the people in our lives all the time. And then also have the holy audacity. You know, the, the founder of the CMA used to talk about holy audacity, that God would put people in your way for the sole purpose of you talking to them about Jesus. Have the holy audacity to take some risks in this season for to show people that it's okay that you don't have to be panicking because God is in control and he holds all of us up. You know, we need to end this mindset in all aspects of our life. It is not us versus them. It is all about us for them. You know, that was Jonah's big flaw, but we'll save that sermon for another day. I'm saving that, don't worry. Uh, And so yes, the first thing, that first flaw that we see in the disciples is us versus them. God wants us to be for them, and he does not think about it in the same ways that we've been taught to think about it out of pain. So the second thing that we are going to talk about today, I've just been addressing it in my head as uh, connecting to the real power source. Now, again, verse 38 (laughs) John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out a demon in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. You know, chapter. we, we give the disciples such a hard time, and most of the time it's because they like, really deserve it. And I also understand we have to wrestle that with that the disciples are really just a mirror to you and to me, that we would most likely act in the same way, that every time you yell at the disciples like get it, just get it, like you pro- we would not get it ourselves most likely. But really, chapter 9 is really a master class chapter of how silly and mistaken the disciples can be. It's left and right. they just This chapter, more than others, I think, is just really harping on this. that the people that are closest to Jesus just don't always get it. The people, the ones, the 12 who are most connected, who, who their lives are so intertwined with Jesus and they are the ones who left and right don't understand. You know, chapter nine starts with the transfiguration and remember it's like Jesus peeled back his humanity for an instance and showed us who he really was, who he was fully and it was that this radiant being that he, sh- he shines so bright, and that it scared of the disciples who were there. And then right after that, we get into the story where the disciples couldn't cast out this demon out of this boy, and they were utterly powerless, and they weren't connected with Jesus. They were relying more on their experience, more on what they had seen, more of what they knew about God instead of being in relationship with God and working miracles out of belonging to God. And then from there, Jesus starts talking about his death. That He says, yeah, again, I'm the Son of Man, guys. I am the Savior of everything, but yet I came here to die. And if you want to be great, you have to be least, you have to be last, you have to be like a kid. And then we get to today's passage, and they still are not getting it. They still are not really connected into Jesus from the proper place, out of relationship and out of faith. And really, this story contrasts So perfectly, because we see this one stranger, he doesn't even get a name in the scripture story. He doesn't get a name, and yet we see that he is able to cast demons out with the name of Jesus. And this just flies in the face of the disciples, because only two stories ago, they couldn't do anything for this little boy. The twelve, the men who were supposed to be most connected, most knowing of Jesus and all the Jesus things out there, And yet, it was this stranger who was doing it, and it made no sense to us. It made no sense because of this us and them mentality, for sure. But it also just made no sense that someone who we never even heard about in Scripture be able to cast out demons so early on, before Jesus' death. Like he he got it so quickly, and why did the twelve not get it? And so, this is just another picture of um, that we don't live. Our relationship with God, living with God, does not come because we exchange favors with Him. We don't say to God, God, can you do this for me and then I'll live a better life? No. the God is also not a formula. He's not a set of prayers that we learn. And if we say them in the right order, if we emphasize the right words, if we do this and we do that, if we use holy water or anything like that, that everything will work out perfectly. No, that's also not that. Because God is also never our vending machine. He is never going to just do things for us that we ask him to. Uh, that's just not the way he works, that's not the way this world works. And also this idea of karma, like we do have some form of that that's more holy. You know, you reap what you sow. But karma really is just an old heresy of the church. It's called retributive theology, where you say to God, God, like if I do enough good things, enough good things will come back to me." And that's just not the true, because none of us would deserve good things to be coming back to us. And so I want us to turn really quick to Numbers. Numbers 11, one of the first couple of stories, uh, books in the Bible. Numbers 11, uh, we find ourselves in a very, very similar circumstance. Moses is leading the people of Israel through the desert, and they're worshiping God in the tent, and they're following the cloud wherever it goes. And then all of a sudden, this story happens. It's, Mo- it's Numbers 11, verses 26 to 30. It says, Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad, the other named Medad, and the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran to Moses, Eldad, and Medad, uh, and, sorry, and a young man ran to and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now I see so many similarities in here, so many similarities in this story, and yet Moses here had such a great, such a holy response to this. You know, here in verse uh, twenty-nine, "Would that all the Lord's people were prophets!" Like God, <laughs> God not only desires everyone to call Him Father, everyone who's ever lived, everyone in the world to to be in relationship with Him, to be under Him to be a part of his family, to join his lineage. He would so want that, but he also wants his spirit to rest on everyone so that we can uphold one another in Jesus, that we can live lives that honor God. And so, in this idea of being connected to the power source, like this season maybe more than most in our lives is really exposing us, exposing where our trust really lies, exposing us to uh, where are we feeling uncomfortable? What are we really missing in this time? Can we Do we have peace? Can we be alone in our homes and be okay? And a lot of this I pray that God will be revealing to you, like where are you not connected to the power source? Where are you not connected to the vine? Another really great metaphor for this that Jesus used. That we, when we live as a part of the vine that we have everything that we need. And so you and I, we have an advantage to Moses from there because we do have the Holy Spirit. He lives with us and, um, and in us and among us. And so how do we take this? Let's compound these two. How do we take this us versus them and destroy it? And how do we also live lives that do, that we can he- pray for healing and see, that we can pray for deliverance for one another, that we can actually do these things, that we can reach our coworkers right now in this season on Zoom calls even though we're not face-to-face. How do we do this? And the last point for today is, is I've just been calling it Faith and Relationship. All right, so what is this last thing? What is the answer? We've talked about two flaws, major flaws that the disciples had. You know, that they had this us versus them mentality, that they cared more about their team and how it eventually made them look like the Pharisees. And then secondly, that they were not connected yet uh, to, to Jesus as their true power source, that they were still relying on themselves, on their experience, on their group, on them being special, on a lot of things probably, really. We could all probably identify a lot of this. And then we see, so what is the response? What did this stranger have that they did not at the time? What was so special about him that this man with no name, who doesn't get mentioned before or after this, um, what does he have in this relationship, in this story that the disciples don't? And really, a lot of this... um, there's no one real answer because Scripture doesn't answer that. This story doesn't answer that one thing. But Jesus does say something really interesting because he says, Do not stop him, for one who does mighty work in my name will, will not be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. And it's this in my name idea. And in my name at the time it meant like that you belong to me, that you put yourself under me, that you did everything and you lived out of this one name. And so when you said that you were in Jesus' name, that you were under him, there was another way of saying that, yes, you are the Messiah. Somehow this stranger from afar, he got it and it went deep into his heart to the point where he was casting out demons um, when probably very few people were. And so it's this faith that he put himself, that he put his life under the life of, the, of Jesus and that he was able to do great and miraculous things because he did everything in Jesus's name. And so that really got me thinking about faith, like what is the nature of faith? I think for a lot of people, faith is this thing that we like, we believe, we really honestly know what it is, but we can't talk about it. And sometimes if you can't talk about it, if you can't put it on paper, then you might not know what it is as well as you did. And so let's turn to scripture to tell us what faith is. I love, I absolutely love the picture of faith that is painted to us in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3 say this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that it is So that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Like that right there is beautiful, right? It's really poetic. But when you think about it, it still does not really make sense until you wrestle with it. Faith is what I'm going to talk about today. Faith is really a wrestling arena that we have with God. That we say, yes, Jesus, we believe in you. God, we believe in you. Work these things out in us. In our time and in our experiences, work this thing out of me. You know, here we see the word assurance, assurance of things hoped for. You know, there's so much certainty, but then there's also wrestling. Every, A lot of times when Scripture talks about faith, the assurance. Assurance is a certainty. It's a certainty with insurance on it. You know it's going to happen, and yet it's this assurance of things hoped for. So the things that you hope for that you haven't experienced yet. Things, your dreams, your uh, the passions that God has given you, all these things that you have this assurance in those things, but they haven't come to pass yet. But you know God can do it. Conviction of things not seen. Again, conviction, the certainty word, that there's no room of doubting here, but yet it's convictions of things that you haven't seen yet. Things that haven't come to pass. Promises that God might have given you ideas or things or images or glimpses of your future or what God is going to do for you or the freedom that he can bring for you, but you haven't seen yet. It's this conviction of the things that you have not seen, but you know God can do them and you know that he will. And then this idea of understanding that creation came by from God's word. It's all of this, everything that you see, all the things around us, the physical world, it's this conviction it's this idea, it's this assurance that God made all of this, that somehow, just by speaking, all of this was spoken into creation. And that this idea of this invisible, invisible, right? That all the things that are visible really speak towards stuff that are invisible, that are naturalized, that this stuff that we touch isn't the only thing here, but that there's so much more. That even with us, that we're this physical body, but we are more than that. We have a soul and a spirit that God loves and that will outlast this world until God brings back creation, uh, his new heaven. And so it's this idea. I love this picture that Hebrews paints and what an appropriate picture of that for us in this time right now. Well, we're wrestling with so much uncertainty. How do we find certainty? How do we have this faith and how does this faith continue to grow with us, continue to make us so strong from the inside out and give us all of these convictions and give us all of these certainties of all of the things that we hope for, the things that we don't see, the things that are invisible in this world, you know? How can we go by every day under this coronavirus and say, I know God is doing something good, that I know that God is working his... I also know that for everyone who's lost, he's redeeming stuff. How do we have the courage and the gall to say that to the world right now? And it's because of faith. It's because of this faith that we know that God can do whatever He wants. That is our ultimate hope and our eternal perspective. That says, like God, please do what you're gonna do right now, because you are our strength and you are the one that's keeping me, keeping us up. And so, with all of this external uncertainty, God, let's pray for internal certainty, for our faith to be something like we talked about last week. How? God's fire burns everything away and leaves away the salt, leaves something good, leaves something strong, that after this season, we can leave this season healthy, number one, and also with this certainty of faith, that we know God is in control. Um, There are so many questions around this sermon and so many directions that I could have gone in the conclusion, but I really feel very strongly that God has said to not answer a lot of these questions to not really make this sermon 100% practical and applicable. Because really, this is an important time in our lives. You know, This is the time that we are alive in. This is the only shot we get at this day. When this day passes, I'll never get this day over again. And so what is it that we need to wrestle? What is it that this coronavirus is bringing up out of you? Uncertainty. Are you missing your job because it gave you um, some form of identity? Are you missing the stability of the paychecks coming in week by week by week, which is a very real thing to miss and to pray for? What is it in not being able to be with people face to face that is bring something out of you? You know, let's wrestle in this time in the same way that Hebrews 11 opens this up to wrestling. Let's wrestle with God. Let's go to God. I believe who you are. I believe who you say you are, but teach me. Just like the son, the father of the son with the boy with the demon. Is, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, if this season is nothing else for us, for the life of the church, it is about this. Jesus, we believe in you. But at the end of this, make me so much stronger a believer than you. Make me make the faith that I have and live out of so much stronger. You know, I pray sometimes from time to time in time, times like this, not necessarily coronavirus, but in hard times, I pray sometimes that God is like having his thumb on us and pushing us a little bit. He, turning up the fire around us to see what it, what it is that really comes up. And this season, there's a lot of that happening. And so where is your faith, really, in this season? Is your faith in Jesus over your very life? Is your faith in Jesus over your family? Is it over the country? Is it over the globe? Is it over your bank account? Is it over your relationships? Is it over your identity? Is being at home like really, really hard for you right now just because you want to be out and moving and out and about? Like, What about this is it that God's really highlighting? And so we won't just leave you there. I know typically this is much more applicable, but here are three prompts, three things for you to keep in mind right now, even right after this video ends, and also throughout the week. Awesome. So here are the three things that I would love for us as a church to be focusing on this morning, and it comes out of our word from today. The first one being, let's identify and address anything in our hearts, in our minds as a church, as a community, anything that would divide us. Because I think God's perspective over our lives is that we should be much more one than we are apart. That even Paul says in his epistles that we, do ne- we never fight against humanity. We never fight against flesh and blood, but about principalities and evils and spirits and all that stuff. And so address in your heart, in your life, what are the things that divide you from other people? What are the things in your life that you, that you find comforted in saying, This is me and this is you. This is us and you're not a part of us. That is such a dangerous thing for us to wrestle with in this season. So let's give that over to God and say, God, in this coronavirus season, please work this out of me so that it never follows me again. And the second thing, let's address and identify the areas of our life where we feel we are not connected to God's power. You know, the areas of life where we just really struggle where we don't feel success, where we don't feel like we are flourishing, let's, let's call those out. Right now in this season is perfect time to do that because we are uncomfortable. I've been on a lot of phone calls with city officials, with other pastors, with this group of Jersey City planters, and the one thing that's been really comforting to me is that we are all uncomfortable, that the church all over the world right now is, is having to meet like this. That this is, nowhere in the world is this ideal. This is not where we want to be. And so what is it that, I've said this a couple of times, what is it that's coming out? What is being exposed in this season? Where is our faith and our trust in Jesus weakened right now? And let's specifically pray for those. Let's specifically ask Him to do something, a mighty work in those areas. You know, if you are missing being friends, Like, is is that just because being with people is great? Because that's awesome, yeah. But is it also because you don't like being alone or because you don't like the silence? If you can't go to work right now, is it because your job is so tied to your identity or is it because you just miss going out, which I do? Um, And so that's number two. Identify where we are not connected to God's power, where we are not having his living water in that area. And then lastly, it's really the culmination of them, and it's where we ended our, the sermon for today, faith. Where is it in your life that you just need more faith in? Like, Faith is a spiritual gift. We can ask God for it. Where are the areas where we feel weak, and where are the areas that we want to be so strong at the end of all of this? There are a lot of natural fears that are coming up in this season right now. There are a lot of legitimate fears. Like if you... If your job isn't happening right now and you don't have an income, that is an okay fear. That is an okay thing to wrestle with. If you are afraid for your health or for your family or for your kids, that is legitimate. But what's not good about this is when it starts messing with our faith, when it when it shakes us to the point where we cannot glorify God, where we cannot say, God, you are in control of all of this. And so where are the areas in your life where you cannot easily identify where you'd be like, God, (laughs) this has shaken me a little bit more than I thought it would. Make me strong. I give this to you. And really this process will be continual. But what are the areas in your life where you need greater faith, where you need to be living much more victoriously than you are right now? And so these things, let's do these things right now in our MC phone calls. Let's do this all throughout the week. Let's do these things on our three times a week prayer meeting uh, on Zoom. And in this season where we just cannot be together face to face, let's find every opportunity we can to be community with one another. Let's find every opportunity we can to give and to support our believers who are hurting and to support our city um, and to bring the gospel into all of the world, every place that we go to right now. Uh, there will be fruit. This season will be one of hardship and of struggle, but it is, will also be one that a lot of people are looking for answers. And so let's be the church still that we are called to be. Let's do these three prompts right now, and um, let's just grow in our faith and go after Jesus as passionately as we ever have. Because as a church and as individuals, none of that is up, <laughs> is up for debate right now. We need to be followers of Jesus, even through Corona. Uh, and much more now than ever before. And so we love you guys. We really miss you guys. We will be together again. And um, just know that the leadership of this church is praying for you and looking out of ways to take care of you. We love you. Uh, Have a good day.